Welcome to Bible Believers Fellowship and the ministry of BBFOhio.com. I'm Pastor Greg, and I invite you to join us for our current events update and then our study in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, titled, The Day of Christ. We remind you that this is part of a complete verse-by-verse study of the entire epistle of Paul uh, to the church in Thessalonica. This is 2 Thessalonians. We also completed a study of 1 Thessalonians, and we encourage you to read through your Bible with us. You can get a copy of our Bible reading calendar online at our website, as you also study each book from the beginning with us. And the conclusion of this two-part message, along with more than 3,000 other biblical studies, including more than 24 complete studies of books of the Bible, can all be found at bbfohio.com. This is part one of two. the end of our current events update, how many of you believe the world is becoming overpopulated? It is overpopulated with liberals, I'll give you that. Yes. But the general idea of overpopulation is a myth. We've talked about this over the years. God commanded man to spread out, to be fruitful and fill the earth. We have not even come close yet. And with uh, seven and a half billion people, they will selectively show you videos of crowded cities and trash dumps and that kind of thing. What they don't show you is what has changed a lot of people's mind is to get on a plane and fly to California. Because between Ohio and California, you see spots of people here and there, but most of it's land, and most of it's green land. I think you might go over some desert there when you get right before you get to California. Genesis 9-1 is still in the Bible. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. That was... Basically, uh, right after God had told uh, man, woman, which shall leave mother and father and cleave one one to another, and there shall be one flesh. Those commandments have never been rescinded. Dispensationally speaking, there are things that God told Noah to do that we don't do, like building a big ark. And we joke about Ken Ham taking him too seriously, but uh, that's pretty neat if you get to go down and see that. But um, we are told certain things throughout the Bible, thou shalt not kill. And then it, after Exodus 20, explains that what that means, that you can kill in certain circumstances. But uh, it's speaking of uh, killing the senseless or uh, unlawful taking of life, is what that's talking about. That's never been rescinded. Um, And then also, uh, we have to say this, that uh, the major commandments uh, are Uh, repeated in the New Testament epistles. There's one that isn't the Sabbath. So that's why we have church on Sunday and we don't uh, and even if we did have church on Saturday, most of the, you know, most of the people going to church on Saturday claiming to be Sabbatarians are breaking the Sabbath by going to church because they travel distances that aren't allowed and they'll go places to get gas and things, and in various ways they break the Sabbath. So we just want to make that clear. Be fruitful and multiply has never been rescinded. Until the 19th century, no one feared overpopulation. Amen. You will not find, if you read the, uh, I, I love reading old books, 
I will admit that a lot of them, when you go past the 17th century especially, when you get into the, well, actually some of the 17th century and further back, I need uh, good translations <laughs> and uh, good, because there's not a lot of English after before that, and I need uh, even the English, it's... Uh, it's not Elizabethan. It's before that. It's really old English, Saxon, you know, and I need I need to have that updated. Um, I have trouble. I I read uh, Shakespeare and uh, Marlowe and some of those guys, and I read very slowly. It's not easy to understand. But I've read a lot of that. I'm just telling you this for that reason. I've never seen anybody in any of those books ever talk about overpopulation. Never. Happened in the 19th century is when it all started. A guy named Thomas Malthus. The Malthusianism is the big word for following his teachings or claims. He was a 19th century scientist. I'll put that in quotes. A lot of what he said wasn't real science. Posited that having too many people in the world is the inevitable cause of many maladies, among them hunger, starvation, disease, and war. The theory suggests that the population of the world grows exponentially while food production doesn't. That's anti-science. Um, with the inevitable result of massive starvation. And uh, this, I, I took that quote from an author named Austin Ruse. He's a Catholic author, but he was writing on this myth of overpopulation and he gave some good information on that. I like to give credit where it's due. But this whole thing was proven false with 20th century farming techniques, but the underlining phobia of overpopulation did not die, even though it was totally disproven. Um, what we know is that there is plenty of food for everybody. Amen. Just a fact. But uh, let's follow the history for a few more minutes. Then came Darwin's survival of the fittest theory um, of uh, macroevolution, as it's called. And then in the 1960s and 70s, you got the population bomb. It was printed by the hundreds of thousands, required reading in almost all the uh, government-controlled schools and in a lot of the Christian colleges and so forth. Um, socialist Marxist communists and other dictatorial regimes starved their people for political purposes. Uh, money and power. The love of money is the root of all evil, and we talk about science falsely so-called. While leftists in Europe, Britain, Canada, and the United States, etc., continued to blame low food production and greed, corporate greed. And that's all propaganda. It's not, it doesn't have anything to do with greed. It, it has to do with power. How many of you remember the, uh, what, what was it, uh, Live Aid, I think it was called? And it was uh, uh, European and American artists and everything. And they, I think that was the one, that, we are the world. We are the children. Yeah. And I can't do Michael Jackson, so don't ask me. But uh, he sang in that too. They had all these people, Bruce Springsteen, all these guys sang in this song. And uh, they raised millions of dollars. And they sent that money over there. And you know what they did with it? The socialists 
the dictators kept the money. They didn't feed anybody. I was a big stupid sucker. I was, I was making minimum wage, barely able to pay my bills. I gave them 100 bucks. 100 bucks in, t in today's terms, that's like three or $400. And it really, it was a sacrifice for me to give that. And then I found out for real what happened to the money and I was like, man, how stupid. But, you know, they play on your, I believe a lot of these guys involved with this stuff know that this money is not gonna go to feed anybody. If all the people in the world, 9 billion inhabitants, stood next to each other, four people per one square meter, the entire human population would fit on an area the size of the Istrian Peninsula. If each person in the world were provided with a space of about 1,000 square meters to grow food for themselves, the entire human population would fit on an area equivalent to the size of Brazil. If each four-member family were provided with a space of about 700 square meters to grow food for themselves, the entire human population would fit on an area equivalent to Iran. In 2019, it was estimated that there were approximately 7.7 .7 billion people in the world. Almost all the necessary vegetable quantities for a four-member family can be produced on about 200 square meters of garden space. It is known that arable land currently covers an area of about 31 million square kilometer. On this land, the vegetable quantities needed to feed 155 billion people, or over 38 billion four-member families, could be grown. There are not too many people. There is more than enough space for everyone. Is that, you can feed 150 billion people. Grow enough food on this planet, feed them. And you just, you know what? How many of you saw the movie The Matrix? You know? It's a little extreme and all that, but generally speaking, we are living in a matrix. And, and all the digital, we're all connected. It's not us sitting in some pod with things stuck in us or anything like that, but we are digitally and our minds are connected like that and so people are being fed this stuff for years and years and years and it's just hard to get them to open their eyes stop believing what they've been taught since they were kids i used to think my mom and dad especially my dad i just thought he was an idiot i did i just thought man well, and i never had the guts to tell him that <laughs> but i'd sit there and think what an idiot He'd say this stuff about over, ah, oh, the world ain't overpopulated. God made this earth to take care of man. And, you know, behind his back, I'd have that attitude and everything. It's funny how you get older and you find out how smart sometimes your parents were. And, uh, huh? Well, that too. But in, 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 in a lot of things, I guarantee you, even you can say that, you know. And we sat there and think, boy, because we were being, we were being, we'd take it, I don't know about everybody here, but I went off to the government schools. And they would feed me all this information. And then I'd go home and I'd repeat it and have to be deprogrammed. You know, I went, witnessed a couple years of Jenny doing that with her boys. You know, they'd come home from school, she'd go down in the basement and she'd get the, the light on them. <laughs> Surprisingly, you'll find there's a lot of people, and it's funny how many of these people got assassinated along the way. Like John Lennon. Uh, he wrote the Antichrist, Imagine. He had some Antichrist ideas. But he openly refuted the overpopulation myth. I think it's a bit of a joke the way uh, people have 
made this overpopulation thing into a kind of myth. I don't really believe it, you know. I think whatever happens will balance itself out and work itself out. It's all right for us all living saying, oh, well, there's enough of us, so we won't have any more. Don't let anybody else live. Mm. I don't believe in that. I think we've got enough food and money to feed everybody. And I think the natural balance, even though old people will last longer, I'm sure there's enough room for us, and some of them can go to the moon anyway. You, you mean you think there's enough if it were Yeah, I don't believe overpopulation, you know. I, I think that's just a kind of myth that the oh. uh, government has thrown out to keep your mind off Vietnam and Ireland and all the important subjects. Oh, I think you're wrong about that. Oh, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I always said it. I heard, I heard a lot of things that John Lennon said before he was assassinated. And uh, I just, he was coming along. He really was. He was, he, he was being, his mind was being transformed by the facts, and he got gunned down. And uh, yes, I also believe he was assassinated. And he, the story of his death is not true. Amen. They tell you that he walked out and some guy walked up to him on the street and shot him, and that's a lie. And they have the, the original lead investigator said they found him inside the building in the... Uh, what they call a vestibule or something like that? Huh? Vestibule. vestibule. And uh, that man, I don't know if he's still alive, but the last I heard, he stuck to his story. He said they didn't, he was not out on the street. Some, there wasn't just one, there was more than one guy involved. And they'll tell you there's only that lone gunman theory again, you know? Pops up every time something like this happens. So Lennon's own Antichrist beliefs were changing as that demonstrates before he was murdered in 1980. But the reality is the spirit of Antichrist leading up to the time of great tribulation after the imminent rapture is what's behind all this. The whole overpopulation myth, climate change is communism and has nothing to do with the environment. Uh, gun confiscation is communism, has nothing to do with protecting children. And abortion is murder, and it's all about the overpopulation myth, and it's all about control. It has nothing to do with women's rights. That thing in your womb when it's kicking and keeping you up at night, uh, any honest woman will tell you that's a baby. It's not her body. Amen. And it's not a choice. And so forth and so on. Be informed, pray accordingly. All right, 2 Thessalonians 2, if you don't have it already open there, get your Bibles open, a couple of verses we're going to read, the same verses we read last week, but uh, we, we don't spin our wheels, but uh, there's sometimes there's so much in a, a couple of verses that we have to spend, well, this is our third study on two verses here, um, and uh, there's no way I could have got it in two weeks, and so we're going to continue our study of 2 Thessalonians 2 with the day of Christ. And we're going to make a thorough examination of our text. We want to finish our study there in verse 2, but we're going to read both verses, verses 1 and 2. I'll read 1 and then you can jump in verse 2 with me. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Amen. So some teach that the day of Christ and the day of the Lord are different events. 
And, um, you know, I hear some of these things over the years, and I just dig in, and I, I can't say that I agree with that. And I'll show you why. Uh, we're zeroing in at the end of the verse there, as that the day of Christ is at hand. The phrase, the day of Christ. Now, the phrase, those three words, day of Christ, specifically, only appears here in our text and twice in the book of Philippians. Now, uh, the new versions, based on the Vatican Codex, change day of Christ to day of the Lord. Now, uh, it's always wrong to change God's word, amen? amen? But what I'm going to say doesn't nullify what I just said. But it's a fact that a lot of times the changes you see in the new versions, they're always based, or most of the time, they're based on a corrupt text underlying that. They translate Hebrew into English and Greek into English. And a lot of times when you see the differences between the texts used, they say, we'll just stick with the Greek texts. The United Bible Society's text was used for the NIV, and the received text, or called the Textus Receptus Greek text, is used for the King James. And when you put those side by side, you see the changes. A lot of times you can see, and the scholars admit it a lot of times in the footnotes, it just looks like they were making what they believed was a correction, um, that they weren't trying to corrupt the text but they were trying to correct the text. Well, I don't care what their motive was, it's wrong. Amen. They should not do it. But this guy, whoever <laughs> changed the text in these, the Codex Vaticanus-based new version Greek text, he uh, believed that the day of Christ is the day of the Lord. That's why he made that change. So here's an example where I'd agree with him about the fact that they're the same, but I would definitely disagree with changing the text. <laughs> just want to make that clear. Look over at Philippians, just a few pages to the left in your Bible. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 10. It's the first place in Philippians where you see this phrase. And if you dare read it with me. That ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Now, there's nothing there, and you, if you want to take the time to read the whole chapter, <laughs> there's nothing there to suggest that this is a sp special event different from the day of the Lord. There's just nothing there. And you see the same thing uh, in the next reference, chapter 2. Look at verse 16. <clears throat> if you there, read that. Holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. So there's, again, no evidence. You read the whole chapter. There's no evidence that this is referring to anything different than the day of the Lord. Now, I, And I just believe that if these were not the same that the Bible would have been clear about that. Just like we did, I think it was two weeks ago, we, we showed it's clear that the rapture and the return are not the same thing. And the Bible makes that clear. We've, we've got seven clear. Some have come up with as many as ten 
that they claim, differences between the rapture and return. And uh, so if I found that kind of thing, even just one example where the day of Christ somehow was something different than the day of the Lord, I'd entertain the idea. But I don't find that, so I can't. There's absolutely no indication that this is a separate event from the day of the Lord. Now, I'm going to say this. What you'll find is a lot of these guys, they're sloppy and careless. And that's sad, but it's true. And sometimes they're arrogant and heretical. There are just some guys out there who are always trying to show how smart they are. So they're coming out with all these new theories about everything. And uh, I heard uh, Peter Ruckman teaching his Bible Institute one time. And he said, you know, the Lord has shown me some things. And some of the brethren don't like it and they get mad at me. <laughs> He said, but then some of the other brethren think, wow, uh, I'm going I'm to come up with some nuggets of my own. And he said, and that'd be fine if they were biblical. <laughs> the guys that come up with this stuff and claim they found something, and you know, like, wait a minute, that's just not there. And that's how I feel about this thing. They rest words, W-R-E-S-T, rest words and phrases from the Bible, and they abuse them. Now, that's really something uh, you see really badly in the cults. Uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses, especially. Um, any cult, now, like the Book of the Mormons use the Book of Mormon, all these extra biblical writings, and the sayings of Joseph Smith and Brigham Young, the doctrines and covenants, and um, the, uh, what is it, the books of Abraham. And, uh, you know, it's all this stuff. And I could go on, yeah, the Pearl of Great Price of Noah. And so they, they're kind of on, in their own little, uh, they're kind of like the, what uh, I just said, uh, Mormons again, Muslims. It's amazing the comparison between Mormons and Muslims. Another prophet writes another book, has these visions that allow him to have sex with as many women as he wants, including children. In both cases, 12-year-old and Joseph Smith, 9-year-old with Muhammad, and then on and on. How many of you knew that Joseph Smith even had a standing army and that uh, was talking about doing, uh, going to war against the United States and all this stuff, like, like Muhammad? If he had not been killed in prison, <laughs> um, like he was, that might have been what happened with Mormonism. They may have just continued to build an army and they would have had the same kind of bloody history that the Muslims had. But anyway, uh, that again, that's kind of a special type of cult. A lot of cults are like, have you ever heard of Christian science? With Keys to the Scripture by Mary Baker Eddy. And, uh, well, we talked about Sabbatarian cults and uh, the Seventh-day Adventists. And they have the writings of Ellen G. White. Uh, there's a lot of women. They think just all men, you know. They're not all Jim Jones. <laughs> but what do you get when you, when you find these? You'll find the same thing is that they take the, like a, I, I mentioned Christian science. I've, have many of you known Christian scientists? You've known any? Well, they'll tell you, they, they put the Bible and they put the keys right next to it, and they never try to interpret the Bible apart from the keys. And so anything 
Mary Baker Eddy said, that's how they understand the Bible. They don't even try to understand the actual context, and they don't try to understand the, you know, the historical background and so forth and so on. It's all just, what, what, what did I just read, Mary? <laughs> Turn over to 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter 3, 14 through 18. Look at what Peter talked about how they were in the, in the first century before the Bible was even completed. They were resting scriptures written by Paul yeah. from their context. Yeah. That's why we jokingly but seriously say the three main rules of Bible interpretation are context, context, context. Because that's how the cults all get started. That's how the false gospels all get out there is they rest the scriptures from their context. Verse 14 through 18. Read the even with me. So start right there in verse 14. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless and account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul also, according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware, lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to him.